up, what up, what up, what up, y'all? Welcome to the Black Magic Podcast. We're black every year, every month, every day. Our minute second, we celebrate that 24-7. So today, it's just me. But you know when it's just me, I got somebody amazing with me. We are here. This is the first time we've had a politician on the show. <laughs> you hear him laughing. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm a politician yet. I ain't been elected. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we speaking it into the universe. There we the go. Atmosphere. We saying you already elected. There we go. Speaking so we have the upcoming Richmond City Councilman. Because like I said, we putting in this work for him to be there. Yes, um, candidate Timless Johnson the third. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Christina. On. Black magic, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like magic. Yes. <laughs> we are here for it. We are here for it. So I, I let y'all know last week, I believe, that he was going to be on, and we dropped some hints that we had him coming. So just know I am honored to be able to interview you. I'm honored to be here. Good. I'm to be here. So we gon' we going we gon' you know, usually I know it's like, I know when politicians do interviews, it's like really crisp and clear and all that stuff. <laughs> but this is home right now, <laughs> so you gonna have you gonna have to act like this is home. So go yeah, ahead. You and see me? I took off the top tire. button, the top one. By the way, he over here looking good. Like, <laughs> I mean, I be trying. People can't be voting for no raggedy person. I mean, facts. <laughs> I'm going to represent you, and I don't even know how to represent myself. Look, we can end the show on that note, <laughs> like on that note alone. But um, one of the things that really drew me to Dimless, and, oh, for y'all that don't know, I'm his social media manager on his campaign. The yes, social media manager I mean, on my campaign. I mean, <laughs> you can't see me flipping my hair, but I mean. <laughs> um and a lot of what drew me to him is his message and wanting to be a Richmond, wanting to be on Richmond City Council and what he's running for and his whole story. And I was like, look, I don't like politics, but I like you, so I, I, I'm a rock with you. I'm a, I'm a rock with you. We'll go we see go. what happens. And it has been a beautiful relationship. And I was like, you know what? I got this whole other platform. You should come on this too. <laughs> let's, let's get some let's, synergy. Right, let's do so I'm glad to have you on. Um, so Thank let's you. get started with like letting the people know who you are. Yes. How did you get into this? Like I may interrupt you from time to time because something you say may spark a question. I'd be like, wait, we're going to come back no, to yeah. that, but we're going to go. This so the house. So I'm already knowing. I mean, <laughs> hey, you know what it is. So go ahead. Talk to me. No. Yeah. So. Um, I'm, I'll give the campaign spill because it's it's the truth as you all you know as you stated like mm -hmm. I was born at Brookside Hospital um, before they changed the name to doctors and closed the doors on us. Mm -hmm. I was raised in Central Richmond, um, but I know the professional term for it is the Iron Triangle. Facts. But I was raised in Central Central Richmond, the Deep Sea to be specific, Nickel Block, Fifth and Nevin. Mm -hmm. um, lived in Kennedy Manor for a short while. My great grandparents, just a bit of family history. Um, my great grandparents actually migrated to the city of Richmond during the Great Migration um, to work in the Kaiser Shipyards. Mm -hmm. um, my both my grandmothers were Rosie the Riveters. Um, my grandfather, well, my great grandmothers, and then my grandfather actually he owned he opened and operated the Savoy nightclub in North Richmond, mm -hmm. which was. Um, one of the hottest blue spots in the entire Bay Area, not just Richmond, but, you know, BB King, um, all types of people used to come through there. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, born and raised here in the city of Richmond, in addition to being a fourth generation Richmond, California. I'm also a fourth generation union member as well. Mm -hmm. Proud shop steward of the of Teamsters Local 856. Um, so 
you know, that's a little bit about me. You know, ended up we ended up getting displaced though. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of families in the city of Richmond, when gun violence got really intense, my mom looked for a house in the annex. She looked for a house in Hilltop, Marina mm-hmm. Bay Point, Richmond. But for a single mother with three kids driving a Brinks armor truck, it wasn't too many options available to her. Facts. So um, the safest community that my mom found was Pittsburgh. Oh, so, so you had to move out of the ridge. We had, man, moms did just like Will Smith, my mom, Fresh Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs> no, but on a serious note, though, like it was, it was displacement. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter how much we laugh and joke about it, or how much of a good situation we made out of a bad one, we were, we had to leave our home. Right. You know, we, the only place that I've ever known. You know, living in my great grandparents' house. Um, you know, so that was that was really hard. But like I said, we made it work. And I ended up graduating from Pittsburgh High School, class of 2010, class president. Um, went off to St. Mary's College of California. Um, and my brother went there. Boo. I transferred. Oh, <laughs> good. I'm I like, those don't are Don't do the gills like that. The don't pe- do the gills like the that. That's the Pepperdine <laughs> rivals. All of the hosts on this show are Pepperdine graduates. <laughs> just throwing that out there. I'm, just, I'm a Howard University graduate. Oh, there up, you go. I ended up transferring to Howard University in the fall of 2011. And to get all of my experience at an HBC, Historically Black College, University, um, I stayed all four years. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have just did, you know, three and did four years of college and been done. But, mm-hmm. you know, while I was out there, I was learning so much, not just academic wise, but about myself mm-hmm. and how much I really cared about people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, I graduated class president, um, but it wasn't until I got to Howard and I started really volunteering my time. Okay. And, you know, on a different level, you know, you volunteer your time in high school. It's like, oh, soup kitchen, one, two hours, then you leave. Right. Or wrapping gifts for the, for for the kids. You get what I'm saying? Right. But this was, we literally said, at Howard, they have alternative spring break. Mm-hmm. Where instead of going to the beaches or to PCB, Panama City Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. That's, a, that's Freak Nick for the Black College grade. <laughs> <laughs> but, um. Instead of doing that, Uh we went to um, Detroit. Mm -hmm. You know, we had Howard students who signed up to go to Detroit, New Orleans, um, even as far as Haiti, to work on service learning projects. Okay. And I had the opportunity my first year at Howard University to participate in Alternative Spring Break Detroit. And when I say when I got to Detroit, I really got to Richmond. Hmm. And I started seeing, you know, I already knew the history of Detroit because I, you know, I majored in media production. Mm-hmm. My, um, well, I minored in Africana studies. My The accreditation school wouldn't let me double minor, but I still took the classes. Took mm-hmm. all of the classes um, in order to double minor. Um, and so I know the history of, De- of, of Detroit mm-hmm. because I'm a history minor. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I specifically know the black history of Detroit. And I'm looking around and I'm just seeing this place that was once booming, thriving, like one of the epicenters of not just black culture, but American culture. Facts. You know? And here it was dilapidated. All of its potential just thrown to the side. And for me, 
I got to really thinking about Richmond. And then we went to, we was in the homeless shelters at the rescue mission. We went to Highland Park, which is a city within Detroit that is even more destitute than the city of Detroit. Mm. But that ain't, you feel me? That's no shade to Highland Park. HP got soul. Mm -hmm. HP got spirit. Just Mm -hmm. like the rest of Detroit got spirit. Just like the rest of Detroit got soul. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I realized was that this was happening all across the country. Because you made that parallel between Richmond, California, and you think when people think Detroit, they think destitution, which is horrific, right. but it's facts. When people think California, every, everybody assumes all of California, South Island, and beaches, and mm-hmm. sand, and San Francisco. And, and, and what's funny is, it's funny that you said that, because when we was in Detroit, and I was telling them, I was like, this look like my city. They were like, you from Cali, man. You from right. Cali. And right. so, being in Detroit... Then as soon as we got back to D.C., it just didn't stop. You know, like I was I was the spirit had overcame me. You know, I was in P.G. County, Maryland, volunteering. I was in southeast D.C. where people say, if you're a Howard student, don't go to southeast. Don't go to southeast. I'm in southeast. Mm -hmm. We helping these people. Right. So it's like me and my friend, me and my partner, Black, his real name, Mel Kwam Shaw, but he likes to be called Black. We'd see D.C. police harassing somebody, and we'll pull a car over, hop out, and monitor the situation. Mm. And as I'm doing all of these things, and I'm even going back with him to his hometown of South Carolina, and we're doing stuff down there, but then I get back home two years in a row, and I'm burying peers. Mm. Yeah. First time I come home, I'm, I'm burying somebody who I literally grew up with from elementary school. Our mama's his best friend. You know, like our families go back. He, you know, we had to bury him. Then I go back to school, come home again the next year for the same, same time, same Christmas break. Mm -hmm. Now I got to bury my cousin. Hmm. I got to be a pallbearer. To your cousin. To my cousin that's only a year older than me. Wow. So we not, you know, I'm not coming back, you know, to bury people whose time has passed. Right. I'm coming back to bury people who I'm who I thought I was in DC working on behalf of. Hmm. And I'm seeing like these ain't just bodies dropping. This ain't just the, you know, another body on the news. These are people. Facts. And, and more so people that's connected to me. And so while I'm out here making DC better, making Maryland better, making Detroit better, I'm looking at home and I'm like, who making us better? So what was the turning point? I know you said being in Detroit made you want to keep giving back to your people. Well, what was that intrinsic voice? What what was said to you that made made you know, like, this is the work I got to do? Oh, man. Um, when I was in Detroit and we was at that high school and them kids made me cry. And I'm about to cry right now just thinking about it because when that. It's okay. That little boy looked at me and said, with a straight face, why try? I'm going to die anyway. Mm. No hope. None. None. In one of the, in one of the cities that, had, that was bursting with hope at once upon a time. Right. You know, that had all the opportunities, whether you were a high school graduate or a college graduate. You can make it in Detroit. It was auto town. Right. So half the temptations parents was auto makers. 
Barry Gordy was only able to make Motown because of the auto industry. And for this little boy to be sitting in a, in a city that has known so much economic opportunity mm-hmm. and to say that he didn't have any options, that shit hurt. That hurt. That hurt me because I started to really, he gave me an insight as to how the young people in my city feel. Mm. How my cousins feel. You know, things that they won't say to me because, you know, we proud people. Right. And we don't want to let nobody know when we hurting. hurting or we're and, down. Or, or when we down. Which is why I don't mind shedding tears in front of people because they got to know we human. Facts. And so when that little boy said that, it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I, and I broke down then just like I'm breaking down now because the idea of people not having hope, that shit hurts, man. This is America, and we bled this shit. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? I know a lot of people be like, this ain't our country. We from Africa. Yeah, we from Africa. But we have a blood investment in this land. People died for us to be when here. When they say we the people, they mean us too. Mm-hmm. And God damn it, we need to take that. Facts. Stop existing on the fringes and step into our existence as real as the American citizens. We are. We deserve everything, and I'm not just talking about black people. I'm talking about people. Period. Facts. Because when I, everywhere I go, even here in Richmond, we got hungry white folks. So I'm, I refuse. I refuse to to let Willie Lynch, um, to let the the reaction to the Bacon Rebellion, any of that stuff that was used to divide races or even interracial conflict, divide us even further. We need real leadership that recognizes the bullshit and can put a stop to it. And then this is where you're coming in as a candidate. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm big tired. For real. You tired, tired? I'm old, motherfucking tired. (laughs) And I'm only 25. And I'm tired. And I didn't want to say your age because I want people to understand. (laughs) I was waiting. I was like, (laughs) sorry. I'm not. This is powerful. And I'm not trying to make a joke about it. But. You hear how he's speaking, and you would think, this, this dude is like 40. He is 23 years younger than moi. <laughs> 25. And to have so much passion, not just for our people, because that's a passion in and of itself, but for people in general to make a change, which has led you now into your candidacy as a city, or city I mean, council. into city council. Well, when I came home, I didn't straight run for city council. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like most college graduates, when I graduated from college, I experienced what I like to call post-graduation depression. Go ahead and talk about it because we talk about it all the time. So when go you, right ahead. When you first graduate, you can't find a job. Mm-hmm. You got to start all over. Yeah. And like I tell my cousin, when you first get to high school, you're a freshman. You're a freshman in high school. Then when you get to college, you're a freshman in college. Then when you get out of college, you're, you're a freshman, freshman in life. life. And so that that can really without and then you you know, you done built up this network in college, you done did all of these amazing things, and then now you gotta work at Whole Foods, then was Mine was Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta work somewhere. 
somewhere. And I'm like, I went to Pepperdine University. And I'm serving frozen pre-made pasta. Who do I have to be, Jesus? Right? <laughs> For $8, I'm walking two miles to work. What was all of this for? <laughs> right. At least I'm gonna be manager by now. Right, right. <laughs> so like most graduates who got who straight out of college, you know, I experienced work, you know, post graduation depression. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until my cousin, that's now my campaign manager, Brandon Evans, was like, Hey bro, they trying to bring a Berkeley campus, a UC Berkeley campus to Richmond. I need you to come to the meeting. And like the song say, I went to a meeting one night. (laughs) (laughs) Finish. (laughs) No, but literally, I went to that meeting that night. And I just stood up and I spoke my piece. And afterwards, his executive director was so impressed that she came up to me and offered me a job right then and there. And at the time, he was at a nonprofit organization. And so I did transition over to that nonprofit organization. And we, you know, helping, helping students in education, um, taking them to Alive and Free in San Francisco so that way they can take advantage of the um, resources that Dr. Marshall had available to them, um, creating programs here in the city of Richmond. But then ultimately, I transferred, um, I transitioned over to my current position as a school community organizer at the Richmond High School. The one that was featured on Coach Carter, on Coach Carter, even though that's not our campus. <laughs> right, big facts. And I'm also sure that's not our city, but uh, <laughs> also facts. I think that was Long Beach, actually. Yeah, I don't think they even. Re- I, mean, I think they did like aerial shots or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Richmond, I believe so. But I don't think they actually did the movie out here. I believe so. <laughs> but you know, currently working at Richmond High School. Which let me bring this full circle. My dad is a graduate of Richmond. There High. we go. So I was like, go Oilers, look at, right? Yeah. <laughs> look at God orienting, right? <laughs> Um, school community organizer. I coordinate district and, commu- and and city resources to help eliminate some of the academic, social, and economic barriers that stand in the way of student and parent success. Mm-hmm. Um, we are focused just as much on the parents as much as we are on the students, but we are focused on the students because, as I always say, you can't think if you're hungry, you can't read if you don't have lights, and you can't do homework if you don't have a home. So... Part of my job is making sure that when those when those young people get to Richmond High School, mm-hmm. they're not worried about whether the lights gonna be on when mm-hmm. they get home, whether food gonna be in the refrigerator, or if they stuff gonna be on the curb. All they have to be concerned about is it's getting school. their lesson, because we all know when you got all of those things on your mind, the last thing you can learn is geometry. Right. So look. So look. So, <laughs> so that's why you know I take my job very serious. I take what I do. I love my work. It's, it's very rewarding. Um, you know, like, it, and then it also complements, you know, my campaign for Richmond City Council. And it also it also contributed to why I decided to run for Richmond City Council. At Richmond High School, we have a very diverse population, especially when it comes to newcomers. Mm-hmm. And so we have, like, we have, I have a lot of interactions with undocumented families and undocumented um, residents. So... You know, just coming up in the black community, interacting with, you know, low to moderate income, European Americans, Latin Mm -hmm. Americans, um, Asian Americans, and their families. It, you know, it really just made me feel 
angry. It made me feel scared. Mm -hmm. And then it emboldened me. When I looked at the current makeup of the council and who our city leaders and who was supposed to be leading us forward. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, we were all told as young people coming up, be the change you want to see in your community. Right. And I took that literal. Right. I said, you know, it ain't going to be no knight in shining armor on this white Bronco riding in to save us and, 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 and take care of our problems the way we need them to take care Big of it facts. and help us the way we need to help us. This one lady told me at an event, you can't help nobody that's been on crack unless you ever been on crack unless you know people that's been on crack. You can't help nobody that's poor unless you've ever been poor or you know people that's really been poor. Right. Be, and I understand what she meant by that because if you're not interacting with them, if you don't have any kind of empathy or understanding from where they're coming from, it's all a patriarchal style of leadership that I just can't get down with. Right. How can you be for the people if you're not amongst the people? But you, I, I know what's best for you. I know how to fix you. I know how to solve all of your problems, but I ain't going to talk to you. I'm not going to engage you. I'm not going to interact with you. I'm not even going to make sure and check in that what I'm doing is what you need me to do. I'm going to just do it and you better take it. I'm superior. I know. I know. I have all these accreditations. Yes. Look at this master's from Yale. I even have a black face that looks just like yours. Who's just as disconnected as I am. Yes. (laughs) Telling me what to do for y'all, but they don't even know. Come on. Come on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what are we doing? And then I'm talking to my friends from Oakland and San Francisco, and they telling me one of the main reasons why they were displaced from their homes is because they had city council members who weren't representing them and looking out for their best interests. <laughs> I filed paperwork. Instantly. Pull papers and file paperwork. What, are, what am I waiting for? Right. So let's talk about city council for a minute because everybody participate in the big elections. Right. So the presidential, because... Maybe mayor. Right. Maybe right. governor. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <Gavin's> running. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. Some people do. But for sure, we're voting for a president. So city council is local election. Yes. It's local At government. The bottom of the ballot. Probably on the back of it. Oh. <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> no. I, I know, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> so it is the lower lower level in terms and of how local. And people local. flip the paper over? I'd look. I, I am guilty of just for bubbling past like, stuff that I don't even know or completely. Like, this has been an eye-opener for me yeah. being within this campaign. But, but I'm going to get there, but I'm going to step back. So, local government, the importance it, of it. It's actually the most important. The further you go down on the ballot, the closer you get to things that affect you. And so, with that being said, at the top of the ballot is the president. Mm-hmm. You think about it, by the time the president makes his decision, that has to trickle to the state, then the state has to send it to the county, mm-hmm. and then the municipalities get it. Mm. But your city council can set policy that goes into effect that week. Hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. City council determines what kind of jobs you have in your city, what kind of housing options you have in your city, how safe your streets are, how clean your streets are, which you wake up and see every day. And so that's why those measures, those school board elections, those local, those local elections, if you ask me and see, 
Now you're talking to somebody that studied black history as well. Oh, see, we're about to get into it. And then, uh, I, mean, I mean, but just the history of people, period. Right. That works for the rich. Mm. Because as long as middle to low income people are just worried about the front of the ballot, we can do whatever we, we want won't. on the back. Right. As long as we turn out our groups to make sure that we're get, we get back in there, we can have it up any kind of way we want to. Mm. And that's why it's so important to fill out the entire ballot. I always tell people, start from the bottom and work your way up. You already know you're voting for president. Start from the bottom and work your way up. Don't lose stamina. A lot of people really do lose stamina just looking at it all the It is exhausting names, to vote. Reading all of the measures. Mm-hmm. Yes means no. No means yes. Mm-hmm. This proposition want to do this, but this proposition said that. Mm-hmm. Then they got another proposition to circumvent the other proposition. Right. And so it's just like, I always tell people, before you get exhausted with the state propositions, just start from the bottom with your local election. That's the, one of the best places to start because that is going to have the most effect on your everyday life. That is, that is literally going to determine some major stuff for you. So it is, I think that's the most important part of the ballot, honestly. So with local elections and talking about propositions, I know we get that big old pamphlet. It's not even a pamphlet. That looks like book. a textbook. It's a book. It is a book. And it's in three languages, so it's really thick. It's super thick, <laughs> full of stuff I don't recognize right. and I don't know. And so, <laughs> look, this is an honest show. <laughs> I'm, just, yeah, hey. I'm just keeping 100. And so, it be, like we said, it's exhausting, but taxing, even for you're talking about a group of people who don't have the time mm-hmm. to sit with that kind of stuff. Right. And so they're dependent on either word of mouth mm-hmm. or, um, well, predominantly word of mouth, or they just go in there and be like, okay, well, this sounds good, so I'm going to shade it. And this, are they union? Oh, yeah. Are they or local, um, or whomever party? is feeding them the information. Mm-hmm. So in your campaign, I know you're big about education. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because my, one of my political philosophies is nothing for us without us. And I can tell you about a proposition, but I'm going to tell you my biased opinion, even if I'm trying to present it in an unbiased fashion. You get what I'm saying? So it's like, it's always best to show people where to go and how to get the information because I might die. And, well, I ain't no might. We all going to die. We all going to die. It's just you may die before you thought she was going to die. You get what I'm saying? And Dimless might not be here to tell you what Proposition 6 means. You know, Demons might not be here to tell you why you should vote yes or no on a certain proposition. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's kind of how I was raised too in my household. My mama, all, my mother always made, look, my mama always made sure that we knew how to do things on our own. Especially with her being a, um, she was a guard at Brinks. Mm-hmm. She could have lost her life at any moment. Facts. Matter of fact, her, one of her best friends lost her life on the job in the middle of a bank robbery. So my mother always used to have us in the mindset of be ready to handle things just in case. She empowered you. All the way, ever since I was a little kid. And so with that, that was, that's the same approach I take with this. You know, and that's the same approach I take with voter education. You got to be prepared. You got to be ready. I need you to be empowered. I need you to increase your agency because I know you're depending on me, but just know somebody else depending on you. Hmm. And one thing that I've realized is that voting and political participation is the only way that we make sure we don't get played. 
But people don't even know that. That's because we don't have leaders to tell them that. Right. And and why? Because people are literally profiting and benefiting off the status quo. People act like they want new registration. People act like they want everybody to vote. But when election season comes, all they do is knock on doors of PAV voters, new registrants, and likely voters. Hmm. They leave it up to everybody else to register new voters. But no, in this campaign, we need the homeless, we need the incarcerated, we need those who are recently incarcerated, we need those, um, we need the young people, we need the elderly, we need the disabled, we need everybody. Everybody who politicians like to give sound bites on, mm-hmm. but never really go and engage, you know? Facts. So in your campaign, how are you engaging with? Those that we have, not we, because not me, but those that as a society we've disregarded in these kind of elections. Connecting with the real the real players in those areas. <laughs> and I know the way I said that and how I phrased that was. I like, was like was real gangster. real Bay Area. <laughs> I was like connected with the players. I was like, so elaborate. <laughs> no, and what I mean by that, what I mean, what I mean by that is, Every group that I just named have some major players that move stuff for those groups. Facts. The sad part about it is it's only certain individuals, not whole organizations or institutions Mm. following, you know, helping them out. For example, um, the Rise Center, making sure that they can come to Richmond High School and register as many students as possible. Or going to retirement homes and, and, and interacting with the elderly there. Going to disabled centers and letting them know, hey, I care just as much about you as anybody else does. Um, or, or going to homeless shelters and, and talking with the EDs, but also going down to those um, freeway underpaths as well. And talking with them. Asking them what they need. How can we help with this situation? What do you think about this idea? Does this work for you? What do you think, like, how did you end up in this situation? And what do you think we could have done or somebody could have done to prevent that? Actually showing up in the spaces where you find those people. Mm. Not trying to have a, not trying to have everybody come here to this office. Right. But going to meet people where they're at. Right. I, I approach this campaign the same way I approach my job. Very old school way of doing things. I and still do is, home visits. Yes. Yes, he does. I will, I will pull up and knock on your door if I can't get you on the phone. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's about um, those, the way we engage those groups is the opposite way of how we disengage those groups. Hmm. We tossed them aside. We didn't pay them attention. And we didn't, we didn't meet them where they're at. So now we pay y'all extra attention. Hmm. That's why I always tell people, I'm going to be the mayor for everybody. I'm <laughs> look at him putting stuff. At t- <laughs> I'm going to be the city council ah, member for, for everybody. everybody. You look, it's like, so is that aspirations? <laughs> no, no. It, it's, it, but, you know, that's something that I heard Tom Butt say as well. Right. That he's the mayor for, for everybody. everybody. And that's why, and, and, and I heard Irma Anderson say it as well. She was the mayor for everybody. Rosemary Corbin said the same thing. I was the mayor for everybody. Now, I might not be running for mayor. I'm running for city council, but I'm going to be the city council member for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to ignore those groups that were hyper-oppressed. Groups like black women, black people, um, women in general, homeless people, mm-hmm. youth, you know, like disabled individuals, veterans. And if you think about specifically in the Bay Area, the homeless is a massive population. Yeah. 
home, homelessness in the Bay Area is starting to become normalized. Absolutely. Which should never be the case. Homelessness is a, is a violation against humanity. In sixth grade, one of my teachers at Portland Middle School asked me, because I said something to that effect, but of course it wasn't as articulate. I was in the sixth grade. And he was like, so you believe everyone should have a home? I said, yeah. Yeah. I live in a community where people don't have homes, and those people are hurting, and they hurt other people. So, yeah, I do believe people should have a home. He said, so you'll be willing to build everybody a home. I guess he thought I was going to say no. If I have to. I said, yeah, y'all going to teach me? Like, somebody teach me and I'll go do it. Like, if I have the skills and the resources to do it, of course course I will. Why would I sit here knowing how to build a home and and these people homeless? Why would I know how to get resources for individuals and I wouldn't go get them? No, that's not right. So I meet people where they're at. I go, I, I always tell people I'm a candidate from the trenches. So I go back, you know, so I have You go no back problem. to the trenches. I, I, I thrive in the trenches. Facts. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. This man is passionate. I thrive in the trenches. So we mentioned earlier that one of your pillars on, in your campaign is education. To describe the platform in which you're running. So, um, you know, with education... Is that falls under my economic empowerment because in the city of Richmond we are we are creating a college going culture and you know we've increased our college going rate and our pathways are robust. So for me, it's about making sure that we're not just shoving down the the throats of our youth one option mm-hmm. because the world isn't as black and white as college degree no college degree and let's just be honest you can have a college degree and that don't guarantee you nothing in this Come life on, we just talked about post-graduation depression, depression so so it's all about your drive and who you are as an mm-hmm. individual so that's why um part of my goal is to create a school to union pipeline and the reason why i call it the school to union pipeline is because we currently have the school to prison pipeline mm. And I feel as though one of the major contributors to the school-to-prison pipeline is the lack of opportunity for young people who don't want to go to college. Because I work at a high school. Mm -hmm. And I firmly believe, as a college graduate myself, that everybody that wants to go to college should have the opportunity to go. go. Mm -hmm. But if you don't want to go, we should not demonize you. Mm -mm. We should not make you feel less than. Mm -hmm. And I do not believe in shaming people. Mm -hmm. So... I really feel as though what we've done, what we begin to do is say, hey, you're not going to college. Get out of my face. Right. You're not worth anything. You get what I'm saying? We place the value of school as the value of the individual. Exactly. And now individuals uh, are are being recruited by the school-to-prison pipeline. And that's why that pipeline is so robust. So to disrupt that pipeline, I said, let's create another option. And it's not even reinventing the wheel. Mm -hmm. This is a conversation. This is something that I came up with out of a conversation that I had with my uncle who told me when he was in high school, in shop class, they didn't tell the black boys that they was getting them ready for the union. They just had them in there building stuff. Mm -hmm. But them other guys, they was making sure that they was getting fed directly into the unions. So I said, hmm, wouldn't it be very restorative if we had those same shop classes feeding people of color into the unions just like they used to deny them? And that's how I came up with the School to Union Pipeline. And from that, and what it currently looks like at Richmond High School, 
Um, all right, the kids in the woodshop class will be learning the curriculum for the carpenter's apprenticeship program. Mm-hmm. And then once they complete that, they go right into the apprenticeship program making 20 to $40 an hour. And then once they're done with the apprenticeship program, making 50 to $60 an hour. Hmm. So it's just like giving people other options and giving people other ways to make money so that way they don't resor- resort to the underground economy, mm-hmm. which contributes to, to them going into the, to, into the prison pipeline. Right. And so if, they on, if, they're, at, if they're in a union, worker, worker protection, which means they can't just get fired for any old thing. Right. Like you can on them jobs that you're making $15 an hour for. Yeah. Um, you have benefits, which means that not only you, but your kids and your spouse can walk in the hospital at any time and not be crippled by the cost. And then that also means that you're going to be paid a livable wage. I have a friend right now. She's an iron worker and she's building, she's helping to build the chase arena in San Francisco for the warriors. Not to tell her business, but since bringing home, Minimum $1,500 a week. Jesus. Come on. (laughs) Yo. So it's like, who's selling drugs after that? Right. Who's shooting at people after that? Nobody. And then we think about the reason why people do those things. And survival. Survival. It's not like, I want want to be out here killing folks. No, it's survival. Come on. And now we done took away we done took away the need for you to fight for survival. Now all you got to do is work for survival. And you've been given the tools to work, so it's yes. not like you're scraping and trying to figure it out, and you doing all these crazy things. You have been facilitated into the role that you fall in to be able to take care of you, yep. your family, and generations to come. Because now you're taking what you've learned, and then take that's how you break generational curses. Yeah, ex- that's exactly how you break generational curses because you know what's gonna happen when that little boy's or that little girl get up and see uh, see her mama and daddy going to that union job every day. They're gonna say, "I want to be in the union," and then parents is gonna only tell their kids to go after union jobs. That's how I became a fourth generation union worker. My parents, my grandparents, my great grandparents. We only believe in union work. Hmm. Nothing else. We, we've never, that's how we've been able to stake our claim in this country. And so that's why for me, it's about making sure that people have opportunities like that. Right. So that way, and then what a lot of people don't talk about from those union positions, some of our kids then decide to go off to a four-year university with a skill. Mm-hmm. So imagine how much cheaper college is when you're a carpenter. Hmm. Hmm. And then don't mess around and start and fall into the entrepreneurship side of things. I mean, you really don't have to because the locals keep you working. Right. But if you want to do your own thing and, and start your own business, you have a skill that nobody can take away from you. Right. Like, if you know how to put up drywall, you can start your own drywall company. company. So and never like, run out of work. Never run out of work. Because every wall needs drywall. And your kids will never have to fill out a job application. Nope. You know how powerful that is? Mm-hmm. Like, when your kids never have to fill out Got a job, job application? My parents, my mother worked government. Yeah. And she did. And so it wasn't union, but she's a social worker. Mm-hmm. And that was her thing was, y'all ain't doing job applications in high school. Right. You are going to get this. She went college. So for them, it was like college, 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 yep. college, college. And so 
that was the driving force for us was me seeing her mm -hmm. in the position that she's been at the time was like 15, 20 years. Yep. And then going, I can have that too. Yep. Took a different route because right. I understood I wanted to be an entrepreneur. But having that in my life mm -hmm. drove me away from all that other crazy stuff. Yes, I should have been pregnant by 15. You know what stability looks like. Yeah. And you refuse to take anything Thing less. less than stability. Yes. And that's, and that's what those kind of opportunities provide for our families and our communities. Stability. But they need the opportunity. You need the opportunity first. And... If you don't know about you, if you're not hearing about union jobs at home, if you're not hearing about union jobs in your community, and you're not hearing about them at school, you don't know it exists. But if all you see is like your homie slinging drugs or part of gangs or you know having sex and not having yeah having sex and doing all this crazy stuff at a young age, that becomes a part of your life. Most definitely does. Most definitely, and it becomes normal. Mm -hmm. That's the norm. You know, like. Everybody I know been to jail. Everybody I know sell drugs. Mm -hmm. And so you don't see anything wrong with it. And not that, you, like I said, before, I don't believe in shaming people. I know right. why people do what they have, have to, to do. Have to do, right. It's not what they want to do. Right. People do what they have, have to, to do. do. And so, like, I most, so that's why we got to bring that back into schools. I always say it's not, it's not reinventing the wheel. No, it it's, already exists. It already it's exists. It's just creating a different path to it. Creating a different path and bringing it back. So that way, our young people will have more options. And then also for men and women coming home from military service, helmets to hard hats, making sure that they have access to good union jobs. Right. Because whether or not we agree with why they were fighting, mm -hmm. they fought. Right. And, and I think it's the most disrespectful thing in the world that a veteran who risked their lives can't come home and have a job. A job or a home. Home. That part. I think that is... Oh, Jesus. You put somebody on the front lines on the fr for our country, yes. and our country yes. cannot provide them shelter Come on. or a way of living. Now you're preaching. And, and for me, that's wrong. It's and, immoral. And, and what you'll find, and what a lot of people will find out about me is wrong is wrong and right is right. Mm -hmm. I, do, I do understand that sometimes there are a little bit of gray areas. Yes. But when it comes to morals and ethics, mm -hmm. we all know what we're supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to be treating one another. Yes. It's very simple. The golden rule. Treat others how you want to be treated. But I call it, I got a platinum rule. Treat others better. Than how you want to be treated. Yes. Because how you want to be treated might not be good. Especially if you don't know what being treated well is supposed Come to look on. like. So I'm going to give you the platinum rule. Treat people better. Especially when you know better, you're supposed to do better. And want better for others. Exactly. That's the whole point. That's the only reason why, man, we can't survive on this earth. Playing, playing like we're not supposed to be helping one another. We literally need each other. That's it. It's crazy. Brandon, his campaign manager, and I were having a conversation before he rolled in so to do his interview. And I was like, it's insane that I have this whole concept about purpose where every individual on this face of this earth has a purpose. Mm -hmm. And your purpose is intertwined with other people. Mm -hmm. And if you don't fulfill what you're supposed to do in combination of helping others, you have lost a soul. Yes. But we are don't think like that at all. No, we don't. But hey, I do. 
Uh, clearly. And and if I got to spread it like wildfire and sound like a crazy person or, you know, bring it back, let's do that. I'll do it. I don't mind. Sign me up because I, we can't keep going on the way we've been going on. It's not one. It ain't working. It's clearly not. Like working. if we don't if we took morals and <laughs> ethics and all this other stuff it's out of working. all that, it just ain't working. It's not. It's not working at all. And. And one thing we have to get back to is just giving a damn. Hmm. You can say that again. I may <laughs> actually cut it and <laughs> repeat it. <laughs> like, like, we just got to get back to giving a damn. When we see something that's not right, we got to lose that. Oh, that ain't my business. Look. That is your business. If it's happening in your community, you know why it's your business? Because sooner or later, it's going to touch your household. It may not be to the same degree as what you originally seen it. Mm-hmm. But, oh, it's going to be your business. It's gonna, if, if as sure as the sun shines, it's going to be your business. And that's why we always have to be on the ball, looking out for different things that may not hurt me. People like Demons, why are you stand so strong with the gays? You mean with the LGBTQIA2S community? Because I'm a black man. Mm-hmm. And I know what it was like in this country for African Americans. Mm-hmm. And I refuse to let any other group go through that same level of oppression. Facts. Why would I sit here and watch that? Same goes for black women. Why would I try to keep black women from leading? When they've literally been the backbone of everything. Brandon and I literally, I'm so mad he left. We literally <laughs> just talked about this. Like, I just left an event that had Latifah Simon, Dinah Becton, and Betty Reed Soskins. Three generations of African-American women who, who, who move shit. You know? And I even told Brandon, I said, man, you a great campaign manager and everything, but I got to get me a black woman. I mean, where's the lie? Literally know how to move stuff. Brothers, I love us, but look, the sisters, I don't know if they have a secret meeting at Essence Fest. Or if they, <laughs> no, um, we did not. <laughs> or if they got a group chat that we don't know about, brothers. Right. But the sisters Telepathy. are killing it. But see, I already know it comes from years of, of killing it behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to just move out the way. But that's what everybody, though, you know, like I can't, I, like even if I don't identify, I I can't be I can't be hands off. Right. We have to help everybody. Everybody's connected. We all need each other. People need people. I don't care who you are, where you are, where you're from. We all need each other. I don't care. I don't. I don't care what you believe. I don't care how you get down. We all need each other. Why? Even if you believe the exact opposite of me, I still need you because you're going to help me hold firm to my convictions. And then also, you might even help me question a little bit of things, you know, some of the things that I think are just so true. And y'all wonder why I get behind this man. Hey. I'm on them list. I always tell people, maybe not Donald Trump, but we we do need Look, Republicans. We So we have, you don't know, but we keep that name off the show. Okay. <laughs> He is he that shall not be named. Oh, I was, I was about to say he like Voldemort, ain't he? Like, yeah, he is. He is he who must not mm, be named. He is yeah. nope. 
him and his antics are something that I subscribe to not. No, but with. you know, and that's and that's why I really love President Barack Obama's um, speech that he made a few weeks back, and how he told the Republican Party, like, this isn't your values. This isn't who you represent. Because even though I'm not a Republican, I still understand the role that they play in society Mm -hmm. and why it's important to have fiscal conservatives in the room. Mm -hmm. Because while we over here talking about give them money, get them money, get them money. Realistically. How all of this money go? How we going to pay for some stuff? You get what I'm saying? Facts. And then we need the Green Party, too. Wait a minute. And we giving money to the environment. We do got to live on Earth, y'all. And y'all notice that the biggest ice cap in the world just broke. So it's like, we most definitely need everybody. We can't throw nobody away. Maybe 45. But (laughs) another one of my political philosophies, and this is, I only have two. Mm -hmm. The first one is nothing for us without us, as Mm -hmm. I mentioned. And the second one is, no one person or group has the silver bullet or all of the answers for this diverse group. Oh, absolutely not. America is too diverse like for one party or one person to be like, hey, this know, is the way it should this go. This is the way. We need everybody. Everybody matters. Everybody counts. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And this and that's just bare minimum. What we do after that, it's all on us. And that's that's honestly how I feel. We we cannot move forward unless we have everybody. We can't do this without the killers, without the pimps, without the hustlers, without the dolphins, without the without the without the baby mamas, mm-hmm. without you know, however you want to label us. Right. We can't do this without Not them. It. Facts. Because if we think we can, we ain't fixing shit. Nope. We just putting the Band-Aid over it, but and then that little glue going to peel off, and then the next generation going to have to deal with the problem. And it festers. It festers. And it gets worse. Yes. And worse. Mm-hmm. And then you went from having a cut to now you got to chop off your whole yep. hand. You got to do Civil War surgery. Now. Yep. Just axe it off yep. and burn it. It's and hopefully don't spread no more. You know, like <laughs> Ebola or something. So it's like... We really have to be hypervisual. We got to keep our eyes on the ball, and we can't be afraid to jump in there. And I love the fact that you're inclusive of everybody being hypervisual because a lot of what we see, especially on a national political realm, is there are specific groups of people who are hypervisual. Mm-hmm. And just speaking as a black woman, it's, y'all tired. Huh? Hey, look. Y'all tired. <laughs> Y'all been carrying everybody. Everybody, not just black men, not just black kids, not just black women, but even like you'll see things happen in the gay community, and it's like get the black woman. You see things happen. Um, I have a friend who is Asian; she's uh, Chinese, and she hit me up and was like, "Yo, these are these like these atrocities happening in my community." Blah blah blah. I really need you and your platform to rally behind it. I said, "Where is your platform?" And it's nothing against you, but your first thought was to come to a black woman because you understand that we take on all of that and carry. Carry, too. Everybody Everybody pick up something and carry. Because my mom and my sisters and my cousin, they tired of carrying everybody's load. (laughs) Everybody carry. No, for real. Everybody put in because black women didn't cause all of these problems. I mean, if we're being honest. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think we got Well I won't say any of them But no. the vast majority Show me the lie Because it's like Everybody has to play their part Everyone Everybody We we 
we can't ex- we can't look to one group. We can't look to one person mm-hmm. because the moment we do, we lose immediately. We lose because what that effectively says to the rest of the world is, I don't have the I don't I don't have what it takes. I don't have the individual strength to be changed. You get what I'm saying? I have to have somebody else facilitate the change in order to be yes. changed. And one of the biggest things I keep seeing, especially in black Twitter, I'm all into social media, is that I keep seeing, like, where are our leaders at? Well, why? where are our leaders? Why don't we have leaders? Why don't we have leaders? I'm like, but you don't need anybody else to move. Move. It's You're our like, leaders. Yeah. Like, We're all technically the, leaders. I was about to say, the person that typed it. You could you're be the a, one, you're like, and I tweeted back, and I was like, "So why don't you just move? You're the one. Do it. You're the one. Whatever you're passionate about, whatever your heart is, desire is, I one person can't help right. every single issue on the face of this you earth. You are the change that we've been waiting for. Country, <laughs> county, city, right. household. Right. You be the change. That's that's all I can tell people. Be the change. Because you know why it's so important for everybody to do the lifting? Because as I said before, no one group has the answers. Mm -mm. And if we always look to black women to do of course they ain't going to do it how we as black men need it to be done. They black women. Right. Of course it ain't going to be done the way that Asian women need it done. Them was black Black women. women. You are the only one who knows the nuances and and intricacies of your community. So change your community. So change it. At, at Richmond High School, we deal with a lot of anti-blackness. And people always try to get me and the other BSU advisor to, like, change it. And it's like, this isn't our community. Hmm. We can't honest, we can't come in and try to change something because they don't even respect us. Right. You have to talk. You, listener, you have to be the one to talk to your grandmother. You're going to be the one to have to talk to your parents. You're going to be the one to have to talk to your neighbors and have those hard conversations. Like I tell my students, you're going to have to be willing to be the outcast in the family. Mm-hmm. And the one saying crazy stuff. Right. Coming and, against what the core beliefs yes. are within that community. And you can't be afraid. You have to understand that when you stand on the right side of history, you are never alone. Facts. We may not look like you. We may not share the same language as you, but you are not alone on the right side of history and you never will be. And understand that those conversations that you have with people that you're in camaraderie with have to spread outside of the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. I know a lot, especially because social media seems to be the catalyst for change now. Mm-hmm. Something happens, it immediately runs through black Twitter right. or some, it's, it's a Twitter debate, it's an Instagram, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that needs to now come from being online to being in the streets. Yes. Like, take your rhetoric. I love it. I love re- being able to retweet stuff it's that's beautiful. like, it's like, yes. Okay, so Take those 240 characters, go down the street, and talk to the people that you need to talk to about this. Take we, 240 steps. Because we, <laughs> us 200, 200K that retweet this and agree with you, there's probably another 300K that don't agree with you right. that need to talk that you, or have no knowledge of. Like I, like I just got done telling the students today, this voting cycle, this, this election cycle is the first time that millennials 
outnumber baby boomers in voting population. That's right. And baby boomers have been the largest voting population since they turned 18. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, baby boomers were the ones who got the voting age lower to 18 so they can be the largest voting population. Mm. We now have the power to elect whoever we want. And, and from being involved in politics, that means that politicians are now going to have to pay more attention to our issues. And what are our issues as young people? Home ownership. Mm-hmm. Where is our ability to buy a home? Non-existent. You get what I'm saying? Especially if you live on either one of the coasts. Come on. And then Social Security. Also non-existent, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, we ain't going to have Social Security and, and, when I'm not term retirement age. And I don't know about you and your listeners, but I studied American history, and I know what this country was like before old people got Social Security. It was terrible. People yeah. People working until they drop dead. Literally. Or just old and hungry in the streets. Mm-hmm. Or you really had to bank on your kids taking care of you. Because there was no type of safety net for older people. And right now, as it presently stands, the money will be at $0.00 by the time we hit retirement. And if nobody's talking about that now, then it's going to hit $0.00 when I'm 65 years old. Because it's like, if we wait till we old to vote, then it's going to be too late. We got to show people that we're not just a social media generation, mm-hmm. that, we can trans- that we can really translate activism into political power. Because that's what, you know, that's what the hippies of the 60s did. That's what the protesters in the 60s did. They, they, translate, they, they made the transition from activists to leaders, to real political leaders. And I know, like you said at the beginning of, of the podcast, a lot of our generation don't bang with politicians. Mm-mm. That's because we're not the politicians. Nope. If we became the politicians, if we elected the individuals that we only bang with, that we only like, then we would... A different conversation. A different conversation. It's like like what my dad says about the police force. Yep. I mean, but that's true, too. Mm -hmm. I sit on the Citizens Police Review Commission. Well, how many hats do you wear, (laughs) my G? I wear a few hats and a do rag. Hey, <laughs> yes! With the flag. With the flag. <laughs> no, I'm from Richmond. We twist stars up and tuck it in. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, a real but, one. But for real, you know, this um, this is home. And for a lot of millennials, we have to be willing to take that kind of, you know, take on that kind of mindset Mm -hmm. that this is our home. This is where we were born and raised. And now they have to listen to us. They have to listen. Like, you ain't got no choice. What you thought? (laughs) That one city council member that's been on city council our entire lives, we can finally vote them out. Like, you actually have control over what your cities, not just Richmond, but every city in the U.S. can yes. look like. Yes. If you actually, like you said, gave a damn. Guess what? This is our country. Facts. Like, <laughs> like big facts. November 6th is going to be the game changer of the century. You may not like millennials. Century. You may feel any kind of way you want about us, but this is our country now. Mm-hmm. But it won't be our, we won't be able to take ownership of it until we if, show up. And do the work. We have to show up because the old people, the older people, they put in work. I'm not going to lie mm-hmm. on them. 
They put in work. They did. I've gone a couple of your forums, and a lot of, like, the crowd tends to be 50 and plus. Yeah, and they showed me a lot of love. Lots of love. And they are researched. Yes. Researched. I mean, knowledge. And we the ones with the iPhones and the internet we, right in our hands. You can get the Cliff Notes version <laughs> of, of all these measures, no, and we real. still don't read it. No, yeah, that was most definitely... It is most definitely, um, it's crazy because you would expect us to be on it. We on Twitter, we on Facebook. You can even register online now. Yeah, Facebook. voting online, but you can register, register online. online. Facebook sent me a reminder today, have you registered to yes. vote? And so, you know, all of this stuff is at our fingertips. And then you can even get your ballot in the mail. You ain't got to leave your house. You don't even got to leave home. You can literally sit with your books in your living room with your Henny and apple juice. You can be Netflix and chilling as you fill out like your you? ballot. Well, I don't know who's going to be Netflix and chilling and doing a ballot. I mean, you know, you, that's a good... <laughs> who you voting for? Who you voting Might end that kill session after that. <laughs> We're like, you might... Oh, wait, you are... Nah, bruh. You're Me- a Republican. Me- right? Measure J. Have you lost your mind? If we were really like that. I mean, but then you find out who you're dealing, dealing with, with, right? Face off of their bones. Come on. All the problems in the world. Go on. Come you on. Like, oh, no, you got to get up out of here. Wait a minute. You believe in the prison pipeline. Get out my room. like. Right? You're for the privatization of the prison system? <laughs> you for for-profit charter Maybe. schools? It's time for you there to go. go. Like, so the door's over there. I'm not. Let's pause scandal. Right? Because <laughs> this is a scandal. Get out. <laughs> you a fool, bro. Let's pause orange is the new black because you actually think this is all right. Right? Because <laughs> you ain't black. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, you really find out who's who in politics. That's, I mean, when I tell you this has been the most I- <laughs> opening experience of my life yes. i'm like yo my dad when he saw your sign in our front yard he was like you're in politics now i was like so here's what happened i like dimless <laughs> so dimless the person is what made me get into this but even when we're at the yacht networking event um mm-hmm. oh god that was yesterday That's right <laughs> this week has been a mess it was yesterday we were at the event yesterday and i was sitting with I believe his name is Joe. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Fisher. He, Mr. Fisher. Joe Lee Fisher. And just all the knowledge mm-hmm. about the how much Richmond has changed from when he was a 15-year-old boy mm-hmm. to who he is today. Mm-hmm. And just sitting there and absorbing and then watching the power players and the who's who. And as he was discussing things, I was like, we think about power and this like magnitude, like, oh, the presidents or Kanye West and Beyonce. Or, or, or they say this is a big, rich town. <laughs> <laughs> You say power, that's what we are. Oh my God. We're just coming back on. (laughs) But we think about these people of grandeur, and as he was sitting there, like dissecting and telling me, oh, this person does this and this person owns that. Humanizing them. Right. And I was like, there are a lot of powerful people in this room. These, these, what I think is about 50 people, these people, 50 people on this boat shape an entire city. (laughs) Yo. What? Give me that measure back. Where's that book? I need the booklet. <laughs> Can I get the booklet, please? And then the fact that we all know each other. Together. To the point where we just all on the same cruise. Like, just chilling. Yeah. Saying hi. I'm sitting here like, these are the people that shape this city. 
Yeah. Yo. And if you would have came to the dinner that I was at tonight, you would have saw the people that shape our county. That's insane. When I tell you that our DA was there, our congressperson was there, mm -hmm. representatives from both assembly members' offices were there, um, just about every mayor in Contra Costa County was there. And they're unknowns to those who don't know. Child, the supervisor for Oakley and Brentwood was there. And it's like... How do you not? And for me, it was, I'm telling you, I've, I've been floored for like 24 hours. I was at home this morning like, yo, and I had no idea. And I've been living in Richmond for like five yeah. years. But there are notes, the shadows, the people who don't pay attention. And that's why, and that's why when people get to talk about, oh, Illuminati, Illuminati. I'm like, look. <laughs> it ain't that deep. Like, <laughs> first of all. It's probably about no more than 50 people in your city between industries and business, um, industry, business, and government who run shit. Facts. And they're just everyday people who just literally throw their hat in the ring. And now they run in industries, government, deciding, or business. Deciding your life. Deciding your life. And people always ask me why I decided to get involved because it's a whole bunch of people that don't look like me or don't care about people that look right, like me. Right, because the diversity on serious. that boat was minimal at best. <laughs> no shade, no tea, but oh. No, it's like no shade, no tea. Look, no shade, my donors, y'all. No, no shade, no tea. No shade. some nice white donors. Yeah, no, no, no. The money is nice. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that we haven't made ourselves present. No, for real. It's like, it was like being in an AP class. Yes. That's how it was. I was an AP student. I was too. So it's like looking around going. I was an English AP and history AP. Right. History, I mean, English AP, whoa. Nobody. That's exactly what it's like. It's like being in an AP class where you're like, hold on. We all have a chance to do this. But then when I ask people, they're like, I didn't even know we had one. It's like being in a science class at a PWI. Don't do that to me because I went to a PWI. <laughs> I did too. I went to <laughs> you left yours though. I stayed in mine for four years. But you know why. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Pepperdine. But no, but I all understand love, because <laughs> I was the only in the the four years that I was doing my degree, I was the only black person in the English department. Yes. There was only two black teachers, but I was the only black student. Yeah. So I get it. You know, so it's like. Looking around when we Black History Month and we're reading black literature and I'm like, here we go. I'm the <laughs> spokesperson. Yeah. All right. All right, great. But <laughs> no, even but then, but being on that boat was like, yo, look at all these who you would walk past in like Safeway, don't even know it. Yep. But he's the reason why your streets look the way they look. Yes. That's insane. And that's why I got involved. Because I, I realized that it's not the flashy cat with the Hermes belt or the New Jays or the Trues or Robin, whatever people wearing these days, because I don't wear it. Me neither. <laughs> I go to Ross. I wear suits. <laughs> <laughs> I go to Ross. And when I'm clothes not wearing, clothes. And when I don't wear suits, I wear Levi jeans and plain t-shirts. Look, <laughs> sweats all the time. So, you know, it's, it's not that individual who flashing all of their money on Instagram or Snapchat that's running the hood. Mm-mm. Oh, never that. They don't, you know, they they are an intricate part of the community, most definitely. Mm -hmm. But it's that individual that you've never seen before. 
Mm. Ghosts. Literally. That's making all of the major decisions. Living in the hills. Today, at that dinner, how many, I think we have like four or five supervisors for Contra Costa County. Mm-hmm. Three of them was there. Hmm. We could have passed legislation tonight. <laughs> Majority vote, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's how crazy this is. Right. I mean, I just, it's, I'm speechless because it's like changed my whole view. You, everybody look at politicians as these dirty criminals who plant drugs in the hood, which, yes, there are some that of those. There are some yeah. of those. We we know the history. But it's like that everyday person that be playing tennis at the college and you have no yeah. idea yeah. what he yes. does, yes. who he oh, is, and he's yes. just walking around chilling. Not It's just like, oh, I have no idea. I was, I was just about to say, that random white man that you always see, listeners, that's the most powerful man in the city. And you have no clue. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that insane? I ain't even in your city, but I know you see a random white man all the time. And you be like, oh. That's the man. That's the most powerful man in, in the your city. city. Like- <laughs> that is crazy. Like, that is so, like, when I tell y'all this, this is probably the best thing I've done this year. And that's why I always tell people, most definitely want you to vote Dimless Johnson on, the, on November 6th. Mm-hmm. But this is bigger than me. Oh yeah. This isn't just a campaign. This is a movement. Mm-hmm. This is a movement to get to wake young people up, to show them that I mean, Jules Jordan already shown us in Michigan that we can get elected to state legislatures. Mm-hmm. We can we can we can get people from multiple cities to vote for us. Now let's now let's show people that you can run for office right in your own hometown. You can you can have an effect on the things that's going on. You tired of the shootings? Run for office. You tired of your streets being messed up? I'm like, I'm like Suge Knight now. Come to death row. <laughs> like, like, you tired of people getting killed? You tired of no jobs in the community? Run for office. You tired of people getting hurt? Run for office. You tired of seeing the homeless on the street? Run, Run for, for office. office. Literally, be. You know, I'm not just gonna say be the change. I'm about to tell you how to be the change. Let them know. Give them the details. You print out. You get on that commission. Every city has commissions. And you find a commission that is near and dear to your heart. Myself, personally, I'm the chair of the Economic Development Commission because economic development is near and dear to my heart. Right. Employment opportunities for people. And then also making sure that we have the business tax revenue so we can do the beautiful things that we need to do in this city in order to be a city of pride and purpose. That's why I'm on an economic development committee, and I'm also on the Citizens Police Review Commission because I give a damn about police brutality, and I give a damn about community policing. Mm-hmm. And so I joined the commission that makes recommendations to the police officers. We work with community organizations. We work with everybody. So, you know, I always tell people, get involved. And if, you're, and if your community has a neighborhood council, get involved with the neighborhood council. Find out what's going on in your neighborhood. You know, and if y'all don't have none of that, go to your local city council member and say, I need to intern in your office. Hmm. I'm not asking you to pay me. I'm not coming every day. <laughs> Let it be known, because time is money. I'm coming two days out of the week, mm-hmm. just so I can know what's going right on. on. And from that, you will realize that you really don't know what's going on in your city. 
like I said yesterday, <laughs> I keep going back to yesterday, but yesterday <laughs> was an eye opening yes. experience where it's like, I don't know shit. You don't know who, who, I don't know who, who, who do what and why they do. <laughs> All I know is shit ain't right. <laughs> And I'm sitting over here on Twitter, on Instagram, or sometimes even behind this mic thinking, and it does facilitate a conversation, Mm -hmm. but there's another level of change that can happen. And conversation only goes so far. Where's the action? Mm -hmm. And in seeing that yesterday and seeing that these are, and not everybody was even there. That was even crazier. Right, right. (laughs) I was like, there's like 50 people on this boat. And there's like people um, Mr. Fisher was naming that weren't even there. And I was like, What? And all I was like, and I immediately was like, there are some powerful people here. And he goes, and you're amongst them. Think about that. And he always tell me that. He always said, you're going to be one of them. And he was like, yeah. He said, oh, you're one of them. Yeah. And I was like, huh? He said, think about what you're doing. Think about who you're backing. And think about what you're doing personally as, as the person you are. You're at where you're supposed to be to facilitate that change. Now you got to take, like you said, presented opportunity. Now you got to see what you're going to do with that. I'm so glad you had the opportunity to talk. That about man that. is dynamic. Both of them were fools. They had me cracking up for oh, like yeah, they, so they, they long. They some real Richmond brothers. Right. Now, so. I was howling. <laughs> but when we did get down to like a deep conversation mm-hmm. and just hearing all of that, I was like, and this man has been in the rich forever. Yeah. Mr. Fisher graduated high school with my grandmother. Hmm. I didn't, wow. Yeah. Wow. And so, and that's not even why he supported me. He supported me because he really does believe in young, progressive leadership, educated leadership. Yeah, we had a very deep conversation about you and Brandon. And so, you know, it's very rare that you have older members of the community, especially older black men willing to just pass on the baton like that. Mm -hmm. And so, and then also, Mr. Fisher would never let me downplay the magnitude of this election. He would never let me downplay the magnitude of me being a 25-year-old candidate. Mm -hmm. And he always talks about how I'm doing something more than just running for office. Facts. And so for me, it's about really taking heed to what he's saying and and not not stepping into the imposter syndrome, but actually stepping into my greatness. And even when I'm in rooms like that and nobody looks like me or nobody comes from where I come from, knowing that I deserve to be here just as much as you do. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, if not more, because I come from the trenches mm-hmm. and I've survived your BS policies. Everything that you, everything that you thought was going to kill me or hurt me or put me behind bars. Brought me right here in this room. Made me stronger. It made me so that your tricks will never work again on me or anybody else. And I have an opportunity to take everything that you used to destroy me and eradicate Destroy it. you. I know all your tricks. I know how to bring you down now. And now that we're on equal footing, there's nothing you can say or do to, get, to prevent me from doing everything that I need to do to make that happen. I am so proud of you. <laughs> Thank I you. am so proud of you. <laughs> Dennis and I talk, but we haven't been able to do this. I right. am so <laughs> proud of you. I mean, this is this is cool. You know, like I even forgot for a minute that we was on the podcast. Like this is honestly, and I miss conversations like this because this is what we used to do at Howard. Like we just this is this is like we used to chill out and just like build. Mm-hmm. 
That's what it was always about, and that's that's my background. Uh, I come from a very intellectual, academic background. You come to my office at work, I got so many books, my bookshelf can't even hold them. Look, so, same. So <laughs> My mom called me today and was like, so what are you going to do with these 15 boxes of books that you didn't have since high school that you keep adding to? And I'm like, uh, hold them for me, please. I'm going to get a house one day. <laughs> I'm going to have a whole room for them, I promise. Just don't give away my books. Right. But... I love building with people. I love talking with people. That's why I always tell people, even after election time, y'all going to see me so much, y'all going to be tired of me. Because <laughs> it's going to be like, let's have a conversation. Let's talk. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Let me understand where you're coming from. I just love to sit down with people and just let them show me their mind and just listen. This is the most talking I've done in a long time. This campaign... Oh, my goodness. I guess that's why I can go on for so long because this is the most talking I've done. Oh, no, I live. Our episodes <laughs> range from an hour to two and yeah. a half. So we love to talk, too, but I love to bring voices on who, one, you're a black male. And one of the things I've been advocating for this year is to get my black men to speak. Thank you. Which I have found Man. to be excruciatingly hard. So maybe you will be a catalyst for somebody else to come and tell their truth. Well. And this is a whole nother podcast episode, but, and, and I'm not saying all of us, but brothers, we are suffering from so much self-hate and insecurities. Oh, no, hold it, because we're doing a, I, now I know that you have some thoughts about this. I have a roundtable coming up. <laughs> but I promise you, once we get over these things, we're going to be great. Great. Amazing. We're going to be great. But first, we, we got to first come to, and I'm not, I'm going I'm to I'm say this and then I'm going to be done. But first, we have to accept the fact that we're going through something. Mm-hmm. And I try to mask it with Do masculinity. Do you have a camera in here? Because literally, Brandon and I just talked <laughs> about it. Too. Like, I was like, but you got to acknowledge that you've got, you got shit going on. You got shit. We got shit going on. We got so much shit going on. And, you know, and it's crazy, right? And I, oh my goodness, don't let me go off on the Okay, my okay, subject. okay. Don't let so, me go. all right. So. <laughs> We gonna be here. Cause I'm honest to God. Like I'm honest to God. Like I, I'm honest about black men. I'm honest about our community. Mm-hmm. I'm honest to, because that's the only way we're gonna be able to move shit. Is if we actually acknowledge where we're dying. Yes. Not just literally, but emotionally yes. and mentally. We can't keep lying. We can't keep lying to ourselves. Like that one meme with the dog sitting in the chair in the whole oh, room and the whole fire. Room and, and everybody like, like, this is fine. Like, this is fine. It's not fine. I use that meme all the time. It's not <laughs> fine. This is fine. <laughs> it's not fine. I'm good. Like, no. No, you're not. You're not. It is okay not to be okay. You're literally 10 seconds from catching fire. Come on. And that's why for me, it's about really like, oh my goodness, really making sure that we have leadership that understands people. Mm-hmm. Black people, yeah, most but definitely all not black. People. But people, mm-hmm. we need politicians and leadership that understands people. I think that's why Martin Luther King was so successful, honestly speaking. Yeah, he was always connected to the community. He, not just his, though, wherever he went. Yes, yes. He understood. And that's that, why he was so dangerous. Exactly. Exactly, because he understood people so much that he can manipulate their own insecurities. Mm-hmm. You know? And when you can do that, a, a lot of people don't like when you can do that. No. <laughs> Especially when the, if they're 
any kind of self aware about it. Yes. Where, like people who are not self aware, it'll happen and they don't. It's kind of it'll like go, over yeah, their head. Yep. But somebody who's like, they're like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, whoa, 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 right. whoa, whoa. what, the, what are you doing? Yes. Yeah. So, I always tell people like, step into your greatness. Like, don't be afraid to to be you and to do you, and to and to just be bold and to live great. Um, we always use this phrase, living our best life. But what I really need for us to do is to sit down and really think about what that means and how do we achieve that. Now you're stepping into my realm. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, they know, my (laughs) listeners know, but last year, is it last year? Last year I spent 365 days studying what is I'm living my best life. And then I realized it's not that you live your best life, it's you create. Come on, your best life. But this is a whole Come different on. show. Yes, yes, so yes. we will talk I'll about that we later. Into different topics now. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about that later. But you guys, I'm so honored. This was dope, Dimless. We gotta we gotta talk more often. Yes. Like, but this was dope. And so the absentee ballot is October first week of October, October sixth. Okay. Absentee ballot starting. You know what? That's another thing that young people don't know about. We always talk about like November elections, but Voting starts in October, a Facts. whole month ahead. Mm-hmm. And those are due the 22nd. Those are due right? the 20. Well, actually, you can turn them in at the polling places the oh, okay. day of. Okay. So, you know, we always want to make sure that, you know, we are aware of different opportunities, you mm-hmm. know, in different ways, especially if our, we have young people running. We want them to know, like, the different tricks and trades. If you don't have, if you're not talking to absentee voters, you lost. Right. I'm changing mine to absentee because I want to have the opportunity to actually sit with my ballot yes. and then go through everything mm-hmm. instead of the pressure of being in a room full of hundreds of people that don't understand what's going and then on. Some people come in with their ballot and they, they just, just know. They just know. And it's like you looking at them. It's like when you don't study for a quiz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, I don't know. And that person come in and just done. <laughs> right. Oh, where do we turn this in at? Let me see. Yeah, like, I don't know who to vote for. Text me the answer. Right? (laughs) Can I take a picture of your ballot, please? So, yes, absentee comes out October 6th, in person, November 6th. I am, again, I am so proud of you, Dimless. Thank you. And I am looking forward to the rest of this campaign and working with you. I'm looking forward to working with you as well. And what Christina didn't mention was from riding around with us, she done got a few job offers. (laughs) (laughs) But no, that's what it's about, though. We both definitely want to connect good people to good opportunities. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm about. I, I love well, this people. show wasn't about me today. It was about you. Yeah. I, was just, I was just, you know, I, inter- I interject when I need to. Most but. definitely. But, you know, like one thing I most definitely want your viewers to know is outside of politics, outside of all of this stuff, I just love us. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I, I consider myself to be a uh, 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 Christian, mm-hmm. and so when God told me to love everybody, that's exactly what I did. When He told me to love all of His children, that's exactly what I did. And I literally have a genuine and consistent love for people. I just love people. That's it. And I just yes. want to see people do good. That's it. And that's all. I don't want to hurt nobody. I don't want to get over on nobody. I don't want to scam nobody. You know, none of that stuff. I don't even want to hit it big. None of that. That's why people are like, what you going to run for next? What you going to run for? I'm like, 
I really didn't want to run for this. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to make sure my people are good. So I, I did just it. I need to make sure people are good. And, and if that's like the next level that requires, then I'll do it. But it's it, that's not ambition. It's whatever the people want me to do. And I just want everybody to know that, like, this ain't about Demis Johnson. Mm-hmm. Demis Johnson went to school to be a film producer. And I still do that on the side. And I would have been very happy in this life. But I don't think I could have been happy just doing that. Not because of who you are. You couldn't have. I have to help people. Unless it was attached to people. Yep. And so. See, I got you. Oh, most yeah. definitely. So I'll just, I'll, 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 I'll leave that there. I just love people. And I just want to see people do good. Well, I'm, again, I can't say enough how proud I am of you and seeing you really grow through this campaign and I you know you have my vote you have had my personal endorsement and the show I've explained to Deja Deja is actually a Richmond voter so there we go I was like girl she listening right now Deja you voting for Dimless Johnson you're supposed to be here right now (laughs) no 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 I I always facilitate the interviews but I definitely am letting her know you are voting for Dimless Johnson Dimless Johnson. <laughs> um, but as always, you can catch us at the Black Magic Podcast. That's B L C K M G C Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Follow Dimless Johnson at vote underscore four underscore dimless on Instagram, vote underscore dimless on Twitter, and you can just search for Dimless Johnson. That's D E M N L U S Johnson the third. So make sure you add them three them three eyes at the end on facebook on his facebook page that's where all of his announcements for his upcoming events um anything that you want to know about him i now let's just keep it clear i facilitate all of that so you'll be dealing with me but (laughs) follow on all of his platforms support dimless he is the people's choice and i appreciate you so much for coming on this show and uh, let me think any more announcements you do have an event next thursday no this the upcoming thursday you have a meet and greet at the winery yes riggers loft yes right here in the city of richmond yes and we would love to see everybody come out at 6 30 show some support bring some bring some money no (laughs) (laughs) i mean the campaign don't run on air so but you know most that but don't feel as though you can't come if you don't have anything to Mm -hmm. donate you are an excellent contribution in and And, of yourself yes indeed Mm, contributions how can they support your campaign before we get out of here votedimlessjohnson.com has a donate button Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a donate button and then there's also volunteer opportunities as well right yes 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 we are running a people-powered campaign, but that don't mean that we ain't going after them dollars, y'all. Um, <laughs> no, we um, we can always use more people, phone banking, hitting the streets. I cannot stress this enough. There is no substitute for door knocking. Mm-hmm. You can have all the mailers in the world. You can make all the phone calls in the world, but there is no substitute for door knocking. We, ha- I have to get out there and knock on doors, but I can't knock on all of the doors by myself. So I need people out there with me knocking on doors. I need people out there helping me um, get this done because in order to really make this happen, we need as many boots on the ground as possible. We need as many people. And you don't have to... Um, if, if there's a neighborhood that you feel more comfortable walking in, you can most definitely let us know and we'll, you know, make sure that you get in that neighborhood, but we need everybody. We, this is a all hands on deck situation right now. 
This is not, this isn't, oh, he sound like he got everything under control. We don't. Mm-mm. We need help. I'm a, I am a black man that don't mind asking for help. Help, please. Help <laughs> me. <laughs> help a brother out. Right. <laughs> Speaking of helping a brother out, this Sunday, they, you guys are canvassing yes. in the Coronado neighborhood. Um, if you are available, it's going to be from 3 to 6, and they're meeting at the YMCA, the EM Downer YMCA, by 2.45 p.m. on Sunday. Yep, and that's right across the street from Coronado Elementary School, too. Boom. All right, I just wanted to make sure we got all that stuff covered. And so I already did my spiel. You know where you can find us. And I guess that's it. We will holler at y'all next week. Thank you so much again, Dimless, for coming on. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. And we are out here. Bye, y'all. That's magic.